Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the History of Forgotten Lands podcast. Today, we are taking a trip over to Southeast Asia, and we're going to be talking about the Republic of the Philippines. Today's episode is not about the current Filipino government. That's also called the Republic of the Philippines, but lawmakers and bureaucrats aren't very creative, so there have been more than a few distinct countries called the Republic of the Philippines throughout history. The one we're talking about today is the one that, spoiler alert, rose and fell in 1897. Typically, you'll hear this particular moment in Philippine history referred to as the Republic of Biaknabato, after the area where their government was headquartered, but that was not at all what they called themselves. Our story today starts with the birth of a baby boy. On March 22, 1869, Carlos Aguinaldo and his wife Trinidad welcomed their newest child into the world, who they went on to name Emilio. But Emilio was born in very trying times. For more than 300 years now, the Philippines had been a colony of the Spanish Empire, and the locals had chafed under foreign rule the entire time. Organizations that sought to resist or even overthrow Spanish rule had formed, been discovered, and then been dismantled more times than anyone could count. There was one group that had spread too far by the time the Spanish uncovered it. The Supreme and Honorable Association of the Children of the Nation, which unfortunately abbreviates to KKK in its native Filipino, was a group that advocated for independence by nothing less than armed revolution. In 1895, at the age of 26, young Emilio Aguinaldo did two things. First, he joined the Freemasons, which I'm only mentioning so I can use it as clickbait, and a little bit after that, he joined the Children of the Nation, which I'll be calling the group instead of the KKK. And apparently Aguinaldo joined at a good time when it comes to revolutionary groups, because just a year after his membership began, Spanish troops discovered the Children of the Nation, and so the Philippine Revolution began on August 24th, 1896. By September 1st, Aguinaldo was already at the head of 600 men engaged in open combat with Spanish forces. Unfortunately for him, Aguinaldo's 600 revolutionaries were up against 100 professional Spanish soldiers, so their attack was repulsed. Fortunately for him, however, Aguinaldo returned two days later at the head of 3,000 men and ambushed the Spanish at a bridge crossing, routing the occupying force. This was a huge victory for the Filipinos and an alarming defeat for the Spanish. Realizing that light suppression of the revolutionaries may no longer be an option, the governor general of the Philippines ordered a full battalion of men to attack Cavite, the region in which Aguinaldo was operating. On November 9, 1896, more than 9,000 Spanish regulars, aided by many thousands more men in gunships off the coast, met with Aguinaldo's forces in battle. Now, I told you before that a unit of 100 Spanish professionals had managed to fend off an army six times their size, but that wasn't going to be the case here. At the Battle of Binacayan Dalahican, as it would be known, these Spanish troops faced an army of 35,000 Filipino veterans, aided by more than 60,000 lightly or unarmed rebel civilians. 
All in all, this battle saw about 100,000 Filipinos face off with 25,000 Spaniards. As the Spanish army advanced, they were bombarded by a hail of gunfire and IEDs, which killed soldiers and officers alike. Aguinaldo then personally led a charge out of their fortifications, which broke the Spanish column into its separate units and began destroying them one by one. As the bulk of the Spanish army saw their officers die and their units crushed in an overwhelming wave of Filipino revolutionaries, they too broke. Running for the city of Cavite, the Spaniards were furiously chased by the children of the nation, who cut down anyone they caught up with. Most of the Spanish did make it back to the city safely, thanks in large part to their gunboats off the coast that were slowing down the Filipinos with a barrage of artillery shells. Unfortunately, the navy could only help so much, and the army was now trapped in Cavite. By November 11th, they surrendered, and Aguinaldo was once again victorious on the field of battle. This was another humiliation for the Spanish, but now they knew where the spearhead of the revolution was. This time, the governor-general personally led an attack on Aguinaldo's forces. His goal was to trap the children of the nation between two incoming Spanish columns and crush them that way, but Aguinaldo saw it coming. As 12,000 Spanish troops were crossing a bridge on February 13, 1897, the bridge exploded. A number of men died instantly, but those that survived fell into the river, where bamboo spikes waited for them just below the waterline. Before the smoke could clear, 10,000 Filipino revolutionaries were on them, attacking anyone left unharmed. By the end of the battle, Aguinaldo was victorious for a third time, having killed more than 400 men, injuring nearly 900, and capturing 300 more. Unfortunately for Aguinaldo, that second Spanish contingent that I mentioned was still out there, and they were moving quickly. For more than a month, 23,000 Spanish troops maneuvered through Aguinaldo's home province, capturing dozens of settlements, towns, and cities as they went. Aguinaldo was preparing a counterattack, but on March 22nd, a convention of the Children of the Nation voted him as president of their new revolutionary government, so he was called away. The temporary change of leadership among the Filipino forces gave the Spanish all the momentum that they needed, and they began pushing Aguinaldo's men into retreat. On June 24, 1897, Aguinaldo was back in command of his men, but by then they had already retreated to Biacnabato in Bulacan some 80 miles from his home province. It was from there, on November 1st, 1897, that Aguinaldo and the Sons of the Nation officially declared the independence of the Philippines as the Republic of the Philippines. Now, normally, the odd declaration here and there in the heat of war doesn't mean too much, but this ended up being real trouble for the Spanish. Although they knew where Aguinaldo was hiding and could storm his base with ease, the revolutionary idea was now so formalized and widespread that it may not have done them any good. If anything, suppression that brutal would make the revolutionary fervor even stronger, so the Spanish did the only thing they could. They opened negotiations with Emilio Aguinaldo. However, things weren't so great for Aguinaldo's side either. Like I just said, the Spanish could storm Biacnabato with ease, Never mind the fact that Aguinaldo had already been on the retreat in the months prior. 
His revolution may have been 100,000 people strong, but by now the Spanish forces were reaching somewhere around the 50,000 mark, and they were all professionals. Eventually, Aguinaldo and the Spanish came to an accord. Under the terms of the agreement, Aguinaldo was to go into voluntary exile, though he would be paid 800,000 pesos to do so, and given hostages in order to guarantee his safe departure from the Philippines. When the pact was signed on December 15, 1897, the Republic of the Philippines, or at least that Republic of the Philippines, ceased to exist. So, why did this iteration of the Republic of the Philippines become a forgotten land, other than the fact that the name is confusing? For one, I think the fact that the Philippine Revolution eventually succeeded is a big reason why no one talks about this early form of the Republic of the Philippines. That may seem counterintuitive, but I think it makes sense. You'd be kind of a wet blanket if you brought up their earliest failures and the expulsion of their most successful general as the Filipinos were celebrating their ultimate victory. After all, the ends were great, but sometimes the means can be a bit embarrassing. And I think another reason has a lot to do with Aguinaldo himself. He ended up returning to the Philippines and became a pretty controversial figure in Filipino history. Though he's often lauded as a national hero, he does have some pretty big black marks on his record, of which his exile is not at all the largest. He eventually went on to become the first president of the Philippines, but his status as the father of their country is lightly tarnished by his execution of political rivals and collaboration with the Japanese occupiers during World War II. Of course, I'm not Filipino, so it's not my place to decide who is and isn't a national hero, but I figured I would mention it. So there you go, that is the story of the Republic of the Philippines in 1897. If you want to hear more stories from the Archives of History, feel free to check me out over on patreon.com slash historyofforgottenlands. This week I'll be uploading episodes about the birth of Bangladesh as well as Bahrain. And if not, thank you all for listening, and I hope to see you again next week.